the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. So I took those two points there, righteousness and love, and I actually went a little bit further and said holiness and love are evident in the lives of true Christians. So this is part two to that. So in those verses it says, if we're a believer, there should be evidence in our life of righteousness. Now, when I say I took it a bit further, I I said God has called us to holiness and love. Holiness takes it a little further in this. Holiness is a word that we use that says, I've been set apart, we as Christians have been set apart for God and set apart away from the world. Now, when I say world, I mean the world system, the evil world system. So we are are called to practice holiness, to be set apart for God. We're We're called to love, and that love looks so different so many times than what the world tries to tell us love should look like. But I started out with these two things about that because I have to remind myself of this. Being called to holiness or being called as Christians to holiness, we have to be careful because if we just think about that holiness, sometimes it can lead us Or in other words, I put it this way. God's holiness without love leads to harshness and sometimes self-righteousness. God's love without us remembering God's holiness and what He's called us to can lead us to compromise and worse yet, an affirmation of sin in our lives and in other people's lives. So last week, all I spoke on was being holy. Now, when I say that, remember, and all of us should if we know the gospel, when God says, you should be holy as I'm holy, we will never achieve in this life that type of holiness. But as a Christian, you can achieve it at times through the power of the Holy Spirit. So you will be set apart for God. And if you are his child, remember in 1 John it said, it it kind of put it in a negative fashion, but it said the evidence is this, that if you do practice righteousness, then you're a child of God. If you don't, you're a child of the devil. And in Scripture, it really only categorizes two types of people. And you say, well, then all unbelievers are children of the devil. That's how Scripture says it. Not how I say it. Jesus said it many a time. So yeah, of course I agree with that. And it says also, you're not only going to practice righteousness and holiness, you're going to love your brother, and specifically your brothers and sisters in Christ. And this is where this this sermon series has really just touched my heart. Because as a brother in Christ, I haven't been as loving as I should be to my brothers and sisters in Christ, let alone to uh, people outside that realm. And in doing so, I haven't loved God as much as I should. So I've been praying for that and praying for that. Lord, help me to love better. But I don't want us to forget the part about holiness because of what I said. If we just think about love, then we have a tendency to compromise our beliefs. So I'm going to start, I think he's going to put First Peter up here because nobody brings their Bible anymore because we always put them up here, put the words up here. And I'll stop where I left off last week. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. We sang about that. The third song at Christ's coming. Set our minds. It's a good thing to set our minds sometimes, not on the things of the world, but on, hey, He's promised us He's going to come again. And like, I don't know if that song said it, but I know Mark, when he was 
he was singing uh, Friday night. They, they sang a song that, that talked about how in, in Christ's second coming, he's not going to come. You have to remember, he's not going to come as a baby in a manger again. He, he's not going to come and say, okay, you know what? I've come. I'm going to lay down my life for you. He's already done that. Remember in the second coming, he comes as Lord of lords and King of kings. And it says his robe is white, dipped in blood, meaning he's going to take his wrath out on an unbelieving world. And one of the biggest reasons why I still speak Christ, and there's a lot of times in my life I haven't wanted to because of different circumstances, and I'm just, I'm like, golly, sometimes I just, whatever it is. I, I really, don't you, I don't want anyone to go to a literal place called hell. I want them to go to heaven and be with God Almighty and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit and never cry again, and the problems all go away. But we have to remember, he doesn't return as a, as a little baby. He returns as a conqueror, and that's what it says in this verse. So set our hopes on that. When you look around at the world and you say, what's the world coming to? Remember, we win. Now, when I say we win, of course I say that in love, we as believers win. We're on the winning side. Even if you see in America today, we say it's losing. We aren't losing this war. Not at all. And I'm so thankful to be on that. That helps me. Actually, I'll tell you where that helps me. It helps me not to get angry at those people that are trying to jam down my throat, depravity and sin, and make me say and affirm it's right. I just can't do it. The gospel is good news. The good news is that Jesus Christ came, He died, and He was risen for us to save us from something. What? Sin and hell. But you know, you know what? A lot of people don't want to hear that anymore. I, actually, I didn't want to hear that. Until, thank goodness, God opened my heart up to that truth. He goes on here and he says in verse 14, as obedient children. Now he's talking to me and you if you're a believer. As obedient children, do not conform. Notice, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Now God's not calling you stupid. We're not stupid, but we are ignorant of a lot of things. And we can be ignorant of this fact before we're believers, right? That's why we need to... We need to watch how we react to those that are unbelievers because they're ignorant. Just like we were ignorant before we came to know Christ, guess what? They're ignorant. They just don't know. Remember, this is talking to us as obedient children. It says, do not conform any longer to those evil desires. Then it said in 15, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. Now that's the holy part. That's what we looked at last week. Be holy. Set yourself apart for God. Be holy. Like I said, we can only do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. Then in verse 17, I'm going to read these. And there's so much good stuff here, but I'm going to move on because I want to get to the love part. Two things. We're going to look at holiness and love. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. We've already talked about that. Reverent fear, profound fear. 18. For you know... That it was not, this is such a great verse, isn't it? You know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed. The word redeemed means delivered from bondage. Delivered from what kind of bondage? Sin. For it is not with these kind of perishable things that you have been delivered or redeemed 
from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but within, this is where we stopped last week because I couldn't go on beyond this. It, it put me in tears. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Verse 20. He, Christ, Listen to this truth. I'm going to move past it, but don't miss it. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in the last times for your sake. And let's put ourselves right there, right now. For our sake, He was delivered. Through Him, through Jesus. See, this is, this is proper theology. Through Jesus, you believe in God. So through God the Son, we believe in God the Father through the power of God the Holy Spirit. That's the Trinity. has to work in us. It says, so this you believe in God who raised Him from the dead. See, God the Father tells us that, you know what? This is proof that this Jesus fella was God the Son. Because after he died, he didn't stay dead. I raised him up. And he promises if you believe in Jesus, you're going to be raised. Actually, everyone's going to be raised up. Did you know that? Most of you do. All of us are going to be raised. Some go to heaven, some go to hell. But for us, we have this good news that I want everybody to know, not because I'm special, but because for some reason God opened up this wicked heart of mine and showed me that I needed to be saved. And, and I turned to God and said, you know what, I know I ain't good enough to go to heaven. I don't know, I, you know, I've met some people that I, I've walked through church with and they're like, well, I'm a saint now. You do know positionally all of us are saints, but not practically. You do know that, right? We are not saints practically, not any of us. We just don't cut the muster still. We rely on we rely on the righteousness of Christ who raised Christ from the dead and glorified him and he's promised us we too one day will be glorified with him and so your faith and your hope are in God. Amen. Amen. My faith and my hope is in God. I have none other to be honest with you. Verse 22, now that you have been purified or that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth. Here we go back to this holiness thing. Remember, this is important. Obeying the truth, being righteousness, practicing holiness, being set apart for God. He says, now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. Here's where we're starting off today. Golly. How many times, even in our churches, have we been hurt, and, and maybe rightly so, maybe we did something wrong, and we lose track of how we as believers, let me tell you something, when the world, the outside world, and what I mean is the unbelieving world, looks in at the church, I mean the believing church, they should see love. That's why Roger told us about three weeks ago, in God's commandments, he said, this is a new love. He's always told us to love, but he says, this is a new love that should be between believers in Christ. You should have this newfound love for one another that unbelieving world should look in and go, those people are different. They may not agree on everything. They come from a hundred different backgrounds, don't we? I'm telling you, I've went all over the world when I was in the military, and I may have shared this with you before, it's worth sharing again. Went into the gym, used to wear Christian t-shirts all the time. Don't know why I don't anymore. I just, I, I, I like those kind that wick the sweat and it goes away, whatever. But uh, I, I, was, I always did that when I went away from the family. It reminded me. You know, just like the wedding ring reminds you you're married, that shirt reminded me. I, I'm here as a witness for this person I'm talking about on my t-shirt. But I, God always blessed that. This black man came up to me and he said, Hey, brother, how you doing? Never met him in my life. And we hit it off. 
Day after day, we saw each other in the gym. He invited me to his church, an all-black church. I was the only whitey in the whole thing of about 500 people. Man, did I look funny because they dress different and they definitely worship hard. After three and a half hours, I was completely worn out. And I'm not lying. It was at least three and a half hours. So you think you got it bad here. We only got about 30 more minutes here. You know, right in the middle of the, 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 the preacher, and I can't do He'd start singing. Brenda brought this one up. Ain't nobody. Anybody know that song? Ain't nobody love me like Jesus. He'd start singing. And I'm like, I wasn't a preacher then. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'll never preach if i got to get up and sing. <laughs> it just ain't happening. But then they did something else. We're reading Scripture, and they asked this lonely old white boy to come up in front of all these people. Never met me before. They asked me to read Scripture. They prayed over me. Never seen them before. And instantly I loved them. And they loved me. Most of them. I don't know how many, but we isn't it true that we have Christians? We forget this sometimes. We have a special bond in Christ that I don't care what the world wants to do, it just should never separate us. And it does at times. I've been guilty of it, we all have. But he tells us here to love one another deeply and sincerely, not just with words. My wife, is she's a living example of this in my life. I grew up in a house where we told each other we loved each other relatively easily. It just kind of flowed out. Love you. See you tomorrow. Love you. It isn't the kind of household my wife came from. I didn't hug. Didn't say, love you every time you turn around. But you know what? In actions, they showed it. Sometimes it's really easy for me to say, hey, Ben, hey, Rick, hey, Mark, you know, I I love you. But, you know, sometimes that just don't cut it if I ain't showing it. And I apologize. Sometimes I don't because I get caught up in my own stuff. But. He tells us if we're believers, we're truly going to love each other deeply from the heart. He goes on and he says some things before I get into the rest of the message. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed. He reminds us that again. But of imperishable seed through the living and enduring word of God. Now, the reason why I want to stop there for a second is that's talking about Christ and it's talking about the word of God and they're inseparable. If you're a believer, understand this. This word is where we need to get our, our, our instructions, our moral compass. Our conscience is never good enough. Now, some of you have a really good conscience of right and wrong, and some of us may not. So let's go to the Word of God. Let's go to the living Word, Christ, and let's go to the enduring Word of God, the Bible, and find out how we define true holiness how we live in holiness, and more importantly, what right love looks like. I'm going to finish this because it's such a wonderful verse, and I think we're about there. I don't know if he can get all this. I I don't remember what I told him. But for all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. And that's what we're doing this morning. Preaching the word. Telling you about the living word. His word endures forever. Let me tell you something. Our God created everything we see from nothing. Even science is looking at it and going, Wow, there had to be some kind of ultimate thing that created this. Really, science is coming around. People that aren't believers are going, There has to be a creator. Well, I'm telling you, there is a creator. And he not only created the word, the world, but he gave us this word, and it is good. We can live by it. We can let it mold us and shape us. 
He had the power through the centuries, and I've studied this in apologetics and other theological things that we call. I've studied it enough to know that he, he kept this pure. There's a lot of really good translations out there. There's not just one. There's several good ones. Now, we're getting to the second part of my message. I'm going to go through this stuff really fast because I don't think most of you are going to think some of it's real important. But I've got to set some groundwork. You know what that's like. How do we love rightly? I think this is one of the most important messages we could be telling people today. Love, and notice I say rightly. Every song, almost, that I grew up in the 80s, yeah, I know, that sounds old. Well, I actually grew up in the 70s, but I like some of the 80s songs. Any of you remember the group Bread? At every dance at school, you had Bread. Oh, baby, and you'd slow dance, and you'd, you know, all that good kind of stuff, and and uh, yeah, but every song was about love, and, and I'll never forget this one of Brad's songs. How he he thought this girl, I think he married her, and she wrote in her diary. You guys remember the song? She wrote in her diary how much she loved him, and he's like, "Oh, I didn't know it. She didn't show it." I think that's actually how the words go. I, and she he didn't show it, and then all of a sudden he goes, "Oh, the reason why she didn't show it is because she was talking about somebody else." That wasn't real happy. <laughs> but my point is, all the songs back then were about love. Most of them today are actually about love. Now, usually only about one type of love. And we get that Greek word, it's eros. It's called erotic love. It's romantic love. It's not a bad thing. It's a great thing. But it's just done wrongly today. So, In the Greek, we have at least, I know you're going to say, why is he going to the Greek? I don't care, Preston. Because the Greek has a great way of explaining some things. It explains love. It has at least eight different words, probably more. But in the New Testament, most of you know it has at least four words that describe describe different types of love. I'm not even going to go over the Greek words. One of them means the kind of love a parent has for a child. Another one means the type of brotherly love. That's where Philadelphia, the town of Philadelphia gets their name. The town of brotherly love. You ever been to Philadelphia? They're the farthest thing in the world from the town of brotherly love right now. I mean, I, they're, just, they're just mean. They're just rude all the time. We, I don't know why, but their brotherly love isn't pouring out from every pore of their skin. That's for sure. But there's a word there. That's the second one. Another one you'll find in the Bible is romantic love, a good thing, a great thing. But let me tell you what, that love is only to be given between a husband and a wife, a male and a female, that's it. And I can give you tons of scriptures. I see liberal pastors going, you know, uh, Jesus never said this about this. Do you not read the same Bible I read? First of all, Jesus said everything in the Old Testament was God's Word. You go back to God's Word, and God said, if you don't do this romantic love thing right, you need to be stoned and killed. He's just, you know, He's not telling us to do that today, so don't go out and say, well, we need to stone and kill people that aren't doing it that way. That's not the dispensation. That's not the time we live in. Because people were so perverted, they were having this type of romantic love relationship with animals. And he said, put them down. Or they were having that type of relationship with insane... Oh gosh, where did I go with the gender thing today? Between female and female, not supposed to be. There's also another kind of love called agape love which opened my heart up to God. He has unconditional love for us. It's the kind of love God can show to mankind. And sometimes if you're a believer, we can show that to each other. That's a toughie though. I don't think without the power of the Holy Spirit I can do that at all. 
Because even with my wife, I expect her to do things and love me, and then it's so much easier for me to love her. Because I'm always loving to her. You better laugh at that. That was meant to be hilariously funny. Wish I had a cue card. Laugh right now. So you know it isn't serious. But beyond that, I want to I teach, hopefully teach you three things really quickly about love. And most of you don't know who this theologian is. It's Jonathan Edwards, one of the greatest theologians that ever walked in America. And back in the 1700s, he studied love and scripture. And he came up with this. He said there's a type of love, and he even used words that uh, we, we, the meanings have changed. He called it a love of benevolence. I'm going to tell you what it is. It's a love of goodwill. It's the kind of love God has for us, even though we're not lovable before we come to Christ. It, the love of benevolence is the kind of love God has for mankind. That's why each and every one of us can say to every single human being that was born, God loves you. He loves you with a benevolent love. He loves you with the love of goodwill. He loves every human being that way. And you can see it in a different type of love that he uses the term love of uh, of beneficency. It's a love of kind actions. God's benevolent love or his love of goodwill is demonstrated to each and every one of us by his love of beneficence. It's really hard for me to pronounce this, but kind actions. So God's love of goodwill for all of humanity is demonstrated to all of humanity through his love of kind actions. And isn't he loving? Come on, folks, even before we as believers... He, he loved us. I mean, let's think about the rain. I wanted rain today. We, I, I think I got about that much in the rain. But it, it, he has the rain fall on the believers and unbelievers. He, he, he shows all, doesn't he, Michael? He shows all kinds of grace to unbelievers. Gosh, didn't he show grace to us before we was a believer? When we was ornery and did whatever else you do. And, and, and he, so... God loves everybody with those kind of loves, and, and they are unconditional. Now, I'm moving through this really fast. I hope you get at least what I'm trying to say here because it's really important when you read Scripture. There's a third type of love in Scripture called the love of complacency, which is, is the love of good pleasure. Now, now, hear me. It's the kind of love we give each other when you're lovable. The first two types of love in Scripture are unconditional. God loves all of mankind those two ways. But the love of complacency, and I know you say, well, that's a whole different word. I'm taking this word from back in the 1700s. Actually, if if my college professor knew I was throwing this out here in a short message, he would probably smack me because he said, don't ever do these kind of things. But I, I think sometimes... We as pastors think everyone's dumb. You're not dumb. I mean, you can see this when you read Scripture. Because sometimes Scripture said, God loves everybody. And then he says, it says in Scripture, I hate this. I hate you for doing this. Well, what is this? Well, it's because there's a different kind of love. There's this type of love that God loves everyone. And then there's this love of good pleasure or, as Jonathan Edwards put it, a love of complacency. Let me tell you, this is a different type of love. This is the kind of love when you love something or someone because they're lovely, because they're lovable. God's love of complacency or good pleasure. Listen, this is, oh, please don't shut me out when I say this. I'm telling you, it's true in Scripture. God's love of good pleasure is not universal and it is not unconditional it's conditional this type of love is conditional and if you read the scriptures you'll know that there's many times when you come across scriptures and you're like what what what's god saying he says he loves everybody but then he doesn't love this or he doesn't love this person 
That's what he's talking about. He says, because I told you to do something and you didn't do that, do this or that, I don't love you with this type of love, this type of good pleasure. And we see it all over the place. We see it how we live. We see it how God's work. This type of love is many times, I'll tell you why it's ignored, because people are preaching this universalistic love that God loves everybody and he loves you no matter what you do. And that's true if we're talking about the first type of love, but not this type of love. It's conditional. For us as Christians, he says, I love you when you live a holy, set-apart, righteous life. And guess what? I don't love it when you don't. And you say, okay, Preston, I'm going to go talk to Roger, the real pastor here, and get this straightened out. Already know he agrees with me. So you're going to have to go someplace else to find somebody that disagrees with me. Let me tell you where this comes in. Let me give you a quick example. When I say I love my wife, we've been married. She was 16. I was 18. I know that's unbelievable, right, because we still look about that age. But, uh, <laughs> amen, that's a, that's a, well, whatever. We'll go on from there. But uh, I do, I, I love her all the time with one kind of love. But the type of love where I, I love her when she's lovable, you know, that varies. It does. And it does, it does vice versa. I mean, come on, let's be honest. That's one thing we can use. Or let's say this. I love my mom. I love my dad. I love my brother. I love my sister. I, I, uh, I love my dog. I love spaghetti. Actually, I don't really love spaghetti. I like spaghetti. But still, there's these feelings, and you say, well, that isn't really love. Yeah, it is. If we go back to the Greek, there's all kinds of words that says we love this, we love that. And friends, don't you love parents? I tell you what. You guys that are children, you just won't understand. I tell you what, there's a love a parent has, most parents anyway, for their children that is beyond anything I could have said. When And I remember when Brenda said, we need to have a family. I'm like, I don't need no kids. I just, I didn't, didn't I was selfish. I didn't care. I didn't want no kids. And, of course, she got her way. And... Uh, we we had we had children. Man, the moment I laid eyes on that little baby, my whole life changed. The moment I laid eyes on her friends that loved her. It, it just, my heart just sinks. You just don't understand how much you can love your children. So see, there's different kinds of love. My mom passed away. I was sad. I was grieving. She had leukemia. She suffered for 18 months, you know, a little bit. And don't get me wrong, I didn't want her to go. But let me tell you something. It's different when I lost my daughter at 29. So please just don't tell me there aren't different types of love, because there are. And the problem with the world today is they go every place else to look for these loves. For instance, if some of you seen the sign that says things like, uh, and guys, if you have a sign, I'm not, I'm not getting on to you. I just want to tell you the axioms in this sign are, are really weak. It says, in this house, we believe that black lives matter. You know what? As Christians, we believe all lives matter. Let me tell you what. If you're black, your life matters. And if you're a Christian and you say, I hate blacks, let me tell you, let's get the Holy Spirit to work on your heart because we love blacks as much as we do whites, as much as we do red and yellow and whatever color my skin is right now from being out in the sun. But I just don't understand. Why don't you love Little babies in the womb. And you, 
you know, we can argue that one all day long. And as a brother and sister in Christ, the most important thing to me is that you know Jesus Christ, not that I win the argument. You need to know that. Always. And I know there's arguments for that. I had two daughters. I get it. But it says, another women's rights are human rights. You know what? There is no religion in the world that's given women more, more equal status as Christianity, true Christianity. Of course, women's rights are human's rights. No human is illegal. Yeah, we can go on with that one. Science is real. Oh, that's stupid. Really, science is real? Of course it's real. What they're trying to say is that we as Christians don't believe in science. I, I love studying apologetics. Do you guys, uh, some of you may not know what that is. That's in theology. It's studying the evidence that proves that Christianity is true. It's studying the evidence that, guess what? There's a creator. And I will guarantee you evidence weighs on the side of a creator. Look at our DNA. That's information. Where'd the information come from? Information can't evolve. Not like they say it evolves. Science is real. Then it goes into this one axiom, love is love. Diversity makes us stronger. Eh, That's fine. Kindness is everything. Is kindness everything? No, it's something. It's not everything. Love is love is the one I want to talk about. You know what that axiom to me is trying to tell me? That all love is equal. All love's the same. As long as I have a certain feeling for you, no matter what you are, no matter what, that feeling's okay. So let's go back to the love thing. I love my mom. You'd have to agree if I love my wife and my mom exactly the same way, we got a problem. Right? If I, if I love my son the same way I do my wife, when he's eight years old, we have a problem. There's a problem there. The problem is people don't, you know, when they don't know God, and I'm not trying to be hateful here, but when they don't know God, they don't have no moral compass See, we know God. We know God is love, so we turn to God. Love must be grounded in the person and work of God so that if we go someplace else to find God, if we go to this world and look at what's going on, come on, watch TV a little bit. I'm retired now. Me and Brenda have more time to turn on the TV, and Jiminy, I turn off all kinds of stuff because they have a perverted view of love. Mostly the romantic kind, but some of it's even other kinds. We have to be grounded in that kind of love. 1 John 3.16 says, now you want to know what love is? This is how we know what love is. Christ laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. First John 4.11 and I know Roger's going to go into these verses more later on, so that's why I'm just reading them quickly. Dear friends, since God loved us, we ought to love one another, but love one another rightly. You know, someone we were praying back there, and I don't know how many of you know, but the elders pray for whoever's preaching, and it's a good thing. It guides our tongue, especially mine at times. But one of the elders looks up and says, you know, I love you guys. Another one says, you know what, I need that. You know what, that's a good kind of love. I don't always show it, but I do love my brothers and sisters in Christ in a special way. Another verse in 1 John. This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This love... Not that we loved God first, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Atonement means Christ's sacrifice satisfied the righteous wrath of God. Thank you. 
What that's saying is we love, don't you? When we come to know God, I just don't understand why people don't want to know the good news because I've been a Christian for a long time now and I forget what it's like to not be a Christian. But the good news is such good news to me. There, I can't do, you know, when it says for us to, to be holy and righteous and to love, we will not do either one perfectly here on this earth, but in Christ and through the power of the Spirit, we can be, be holy, we can be righteous in many things we can do, and you know it. You can love people that are unlovable, right? We can. We have the ability to do that. When we're attacked... Christians, I, I just think we respond wrong to unbelievers when they attack us. Now, what they're doing, what's happening in the world today is people telling us, you need to affirm my type of love for this person or this thing. We as Christians, because of our holiness being set apart for God, we cannot affirm perverted love. We have to affirm the right kind of love. Even, I'm, I, I hate to tell you, even if it's your child. That one I've been struggling with because I've been praying through this. I thought, what if, what if, what if one of my children were like this? How would I handle that? How, I mean, seriously, I, I obviously I wouldn't kick them out of the house, and I think I'm right there. I wouldn't tell them, "Boo, you're no longer my daughter." I only had two girls, so that's all I can pick on is girls. But I, you're no longer my daughter. I, I, I just couldn't do that. But also, I know because of what Christ has put in me, there's some things I'd have to go, just, just not right. But I love you. I love you enough that every once in a while I'd have to tell them, you know what, your lifestyle is just is, is not righteous. It's not, it's not God-honoring. And, you know, we, we lost this a long time ago. When we started saying, and this is going to get really personal in the church, when we started saying, you know what, you don't have to get married. Infidelity is okay. That's never been okay. Or all these other types of loves that we have. I'm going to close with this. i got a couple minutes. I'm going to give you an example. Now this goes, if I can find them. This goes just to us as believers. You know, in 1 Corinthians, there's a story. I guess I'll paraphrase it here. There's a story. Paul writes the Corinthian church. Paul the apostle, right? He's writing to them. I want, I want to show because so many people think, I, I was in this church one time that was asking me to teach, and we really liked it. It was in Wichita Falls, Texas. It's a great, big, growing church. And all these, I noticed all these rich people were going there, which I was really out of place because I was poor guy in the military at the time well still a poor guy but back then really poor remember if i had two dollars i thought i had a lot of money and now i could get what a half a coke but uh, or or a quarter of a tank of gas or whatever and i uh i remember i was in sunday school and i taught a lesson and they said oh we don't teach anything paul writes because he is a male chauvinist pig I went home literally crying. I thought I found a church we were going to, and the people were, I mean, the people were nice as can be. But let me tell you something. Paul was not a male chauvinist pig. He was a holy man set apart for God. And he, man, look at the things he did. And he writes the Corinthian church in chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, and he, he gives them some instruction. He says, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you. I'm talking about love, but the wrong kind of love. Of a kind that even the pagans do not tolerate. Now, that isn't true today, but it was then, maybe. Or he wouldn't have said it. A man is sleeping with his father's wife. A man is sleeping with his father's wife. And you're proud. He says to the church, you're proud of it. There's where we draw the line. I'm not proud of the fact that we affirm the wrong kind of love in America today. Not all of us do that, but we're starting to. Paul says, and you're proud. Shouldn't you rather... Now listen what he gives. He gives instructions to a church 
That's why we should belong to churches, even though when this guy had a, a time when I didn't, and that was my issue, my heart problem. Shouldn't you rather have gone into mourning and have put out of your fellowship the man that was doing this? So Paul says, put him out of your fellowship. For my part, even though I am not physically present, I am with you in spirit as one who is present with you in this day. I have already passed judgment in the name of our Lord Jesus on the one man that was doing this. So when you are assembled and I am with you in spirit and the power of the Lord Jesus is present, hand this man over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved to the day of the Lord. See, that's the important thing we're talking about here. You hand him over. Now, he's not saying that he isn't a believer. He's saying, hand him over. Let him, let him just go and say, you're not in our fellowship. Sometimes you need to do that. That's happened at every church I've been at. Sometimes we just have to go, you know what? And then people call us unloving. You know what? When you're a pastor, you can't have an affair with somebody in your church and get away with it. You have to put them out, even if they're a believer, and say, nope, you're not an elder here no more. Nope, you're not a pastor. And then see what happens. Now, here's what I love about Paul. In 2 Corinthians, he's talking to the same church. And the church did this. They put the man, they said, nope. You're not part of our fellowship. Go out if you're going to do this. You're going to have this type of wrong love with your father's wife, then leave. And Paul, before I get to talking here in 2 Corinthians, he says, with tears, I wrote this to you. Paul was, Paul was an affectionate, loving man. He didn't want, he took no pleasure in this. But then once again, Paul has to instruct the church because the first time we're talking about practicing holiness, right? Because we're holy, we need to be set apart, and we need to say, hey, if you're a believer, you need to get out of here and you need to get this right. Well, guess what? In 2 Corinthians, we know that the guy got it right. He quit, and he repented. And so what's the church supposed to do? But yet, once again, because we have a problem managing these two things, Paul says, the, the punishment inflicted on him, this is found in 2 Corinthians 2, 6 or 8, the punishment inflicted on him by the majority is sufficient. Now, instead, you ought to forgive and comfort him so that he will not be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. I urge you, therefore, to reaffirm your love for him. Don't tell me Paul wasn't loving. The church did what they should, and then they just let him dangle out there after he repented. You know what? Get out of our presence. <laughs> Don't we... See, they were practicing holiness, but the love part just kind of goes away. And Paul says, hold on, guys. No, he's repented. Bring him back in. Reaffirm him. Bring him in and love on this man. I say that because I have been guilty of it. And churches have been guilty of it. I suppose all of us at times. We stand up for the holiness of God, and this is right. But when someone repents, then we forget to love them. Close with the prodigal, of the lost son. Most of you know the prodigal son. I love this story. You can see all kinds of right kind of love here. First of all, the son, he wants to go off and he wants to sin. Notice the father doesn't stop him. Most of you know the story. That's not why I'm going over it. But the father meaning God the Father, lets the prodigal son go off, breaks his heart. But what does the father do when he sees his son in true repentance? He goes, he goes running out to him. And 
He loves on him. He welcomes him back. He says, my my son was dead. My son was lost. And now he's alive. See, you see both. You see God the Father. He's In this example, he's like, you want to go off and do that? Okay, I'd, it breaks my heart. I'm not going to enable you. I'm going to let you go. I'm not going to give you any more money. I'm not going to rescue you. And he lets it go, and then he welcomes him back. But did you know the brother, the other brother that stayed home? You know, this story's about him too. What did he do? He goes, golly, Dad, what are you doing? This guy did all this stuff, and he did all that stuff, and I'm just plain mad. I'm going to throw a little pouty fit because you're having this big party for this son. See, we can't do that as Christians either, can we? So as I close in prayer, I'm going to ask, well, let's just close. Dear Heavenly Father, only through, I've, I've been really struggling with this because this is a balance for me. How to, you've called us to holiness and righteousness and then, Lord, I have to be loving in that. And, and, Sometimes the two just don't mesh. So, Lord, help us to be holy and righteous, but help us to be loving. Help us to love. You more. Help us to love each other more as brothers and sisters in Christ. And help us to love those that are not believers. When they attack us, help us. I'm not saying we don't stand on our ground firm. This is where I'm having a problem. I want to stand firm for your holiness, but yet do it in love. Sometimes I'm called a racist or a phobia guy or whatever, and I'm not... Lord, because I love you, I want others to love you. I want others to love you rightly. I want others to love each other rightly. Help us to do that. Help us to stand firm on your holiness, but then don't ever let us forget when someone repents to bring them back into our fellowship and affirm our love for them. Help us to affirm our love for all those that are unbelievers, however we're supposed to do that, Lord. And we need your help to do that. We ask that you help us to do that in Jesus' name.